Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Well, the performance yesterday from Jason Tatum elevated his standing in this league yet again. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN App Series 6M Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are coming to you live from the seaport. Brought to you by Greg Goose. Canty, we have spent a lot of time talking about the Sixers and who is at fault. And we want to continue to hear from you at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who's most at fault? Doc, Daryl Morey, Joel Embiid, James Harden. Want to hear from you. We get more to your calls in just moments. But Jason Tatum yesterday with his 51. After what he did in game six, being awful for the entire game, putting it behind him and taking over in the fourth quarter. Canty, last year we talked about his 46 in the deciding game against the Milwaukee Bucks. You have this now. Jason Tatum is easily, easily, easily a top three player in the NBA right now. Wow, that's a strong statement. It, that's a fair. strong statement. It is fair. This guy is a winning, winning player. I know what happened in the finals last year. I, I don't care. I'll go to war with this guy. There are two guys that I'd take over him right now, two. And that's Giannis, and that's Jokic. And by with Jokic, it's not by a ton with the toughness that Tatum plays. No Doncic is there. No Luka Doncic. No. Interesting. No. Okay. Not yet. No. Okay. No Kevin Durant. Not at this point. Okay. I can't keep him on the floor. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Jason Tatum showed up in Game 7, and we knew he would coming off of that Game 6 performance. Think about the fourth quarter that he had in Game 6 and how he went nuclear in the final five minutes. He buried four threes in the final five minutes of Game 6 and willed the Celtics to a win that they needed. And you heard it in the post-game press conference from him yesterday. He was just glad to have another opportunity I knew this was coming. This is something that we could all see. Stevie Wonder could see this coming. You know why? There was no way that Jason Tatum was going to follow up the awful Game 6 performance that he had with being bad in Game 7 at TD Garden. No chance that that was going to happen. I didn't think that we were going to see a historic Game 7 performance. He scored the most points of any player in a Game 7 in the history of the NBA playoffs. I knew he was going to play well. I knew the Celtics would win that game. The Sixers missed their opportunity to close out this series, and Jason Tatum made them pay, and that's what great players do. Here he is on the opportunity to play in a game seven. Coming off last game, you know, obviously finished strong, but not starting off, you know, the way I wanted. And especially with our season being on the line last game, I was just excited. We had another opportunity today um, as a team, and you know, for myself just to kind of bounce back. You know, I was relieved. I was happy about that just to get another, you know, chance because, you know, our season could have been over. And, you know, just being in another game seven, being able to come back home in front of our fans, um, I was really excited just for the moment. You know, the, the record breaker was only breaking a record that was, what, 10 days old, two weeks yeah. old from Steph. Yeah. But nonetheless, fifth player in NBA history with 50, 10, and five assists in a playoff game. If you had to start a team with a player right now, where does he rank? He's up there. He's, he's definitely top five, probably top three or four. I mean, yeah, if you're starting a team, Jason Tatum is on a short list just because of his age and his skill set, right? You're talking about a guy that's, what, 26 years old? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I absolutely would be willing to do that. It's a guy that has extensive playoff experience. 
it, it feels like they're poised to go to their, you know, another NBA Finals. Now the Miami Heat are going to have something to say about that, but the Celtics are the more talented of the two teams in that matchup. So yeah, I, I, I love Jason Tatum's game, and, and you love to see him step up when it matters the most. Like I said before, the end of game six, the final five minutes of that game, right before halftime, burying that three to make sure that his team went into halftime with a lead rather than being tied. The psychology of that alone. The third quarter that he was able to put together when he had more points, 17, than the Sixers had as a team, 10. You're talking about the guy having five made field goals on three times fewer shot attempts than the entire Sixers team in that third quarter alone. Jason Tatum had a big-time performance yesterday, and that's what you would expect the best player on a championship-contending team to do. And that's what, make, that's what makes what we saw from Embiid and Harden at the, game, at the end of Game 6 that much more egregious. Jason Tatum did not miss his opportunity to win the series. The Sixers missed their opportunity to win the series, and great players don't miss those opportunities. As much as I cannot stand watching the Miami Heat's brand of basketball, yep. I cannot wait to see Butler and Tatum. That is a great matchup. Listen, Well, we've, know, see, we've seen it three of the last four postseasons. Yeah, we have, but I, I can't <laughs> wait to see it again, I should yeah, say. Yeah. But, I mean, like we're all talking about Jokic and AD, and that's going to be awesome out west. I think this is a little underrated in that respect. Yeah, because nobody respects the Miami Heat. Right. <laughs> I mean, so that, that's, that's what it is. Like, nobody gives the Miami Heat a chance. No, it's the Celtics it, against Jimmy Butler. And, 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 and that's usually when the Miami Heat get to the NBA Finals. That, that's usually when it happens. Yeah. Like, they're just that kind of team. So... It'll be a fun series to watch. It'll be feisty. Now, the Heat can muck up a game like nobody's business. And you got to know that that's what they're going to do. And Eric Spolstra, let's, let's face it, from an X's and O's standpoint, is a better coach than Joe Missoula. So the Celtics will have to overcome a bit of a coaching disparity. Now, they have the edge when it comes to overall talent. I'm excited to see how this series plays out. I will tell you this. I would be surprised if this series doesn't go six or seven games. If this See, ends up being a short series, I would be surprised. If the Celtics win in four or five games, I would be floored. You want to take a shot at what the odds are for the Celtics as the favorite in this series? I'm going to say plus 600. Plus, no, plus 400. Let's go plus 450. No, 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 no. In, in this series. In the series. Yeah, it's not plus. It'd be, they are oh, the I mean, favorite. They are the favorite. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I would say minus 350. Minus 500. Yeah, that's about right. Minus 500. The Heat are plus 380. So uh, just before we get to the calls, uh, philosophically as a show, you and I last year, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Destroyed the Miami Heat on every opportunity that we got. Are we moving away from that? I respect the Miami Heat. Yeah, I... I I respect the Miami Heat. I kind of do. I mean, I listen... How could you not respect the team that gets every ounce out of the players that they have on that team? Yeah. How many undrafted guys in second round picks are the Miami Heat playing significant know, minutes I'm in just the postseason? I'm so sick of watching Max Struess. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, I, listen, I respect them. They're, they're scrappy. I, I respect. I, I respect it. I respect ish them. Yeah. Uh, kind of. I, I mean, mean listen, you can't listen. There's something to be said for culture and team building in yes. an era where everything has been about player mobility and building super teams. Like for a team to essentially have homegrown players and build it around a guy that chose to come to Miami and Jimmy Butler, who embodies everything that Pat Riley wants in a basketball player, how could you not appreciate it? 
I'm just, I'm just saying. How could you not appreciate it? Jay, and he, uh, Jay is in Newark, New Jersey on ESPN Radio. Hey, Jay, what's going on, dude? Hey, guys, how you doing? Just to put it plainly, I squarely put the blame on the players, on Embiid and Harden. It's not so much how the what, that they lost, it's how they lost. They got blown out by 30 points. Embiid was and awful yesterday. Awful. Half the player that he that he is as an MVP was half that player, and Harden was a third of that player. So you could say whatever you want about Doc Rivers and his history in Game Seven. You could think about Maury's decision how he built the team. Squarely, just talking about one game, Game Seven, winner takes all. If you lose, you lose, but you don't put that type of effort. Listen, That's where I, goes on. I, I, I love Joel Embiid. I think he's great for Philadelphia. I think he's great for the league. I'll tell you something. Jokic isn't having that performance yesterday. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to bring it back to just Game 7. you got to talk about what happened in Game 6. Think about what we saw for the Lakers on Friday night in Game 6. That's a team that treated Game 6 in their building like Game Mm 7 because they probably knew if they took it back to the Bay, Game 7 in Steph's house at the Chase Center, they weren't winning that game. And so the they had the level of urgency that you need to close out a team with championship pedigree. The other thing that bothered me, too, is the Sixers didn't seem all that bothered by losing game six. That's another problem. That's a, that's a problem. That's another problem. Ben is up next on ESPN Radio. Hey, Ben, who do you think is to blame here? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Got to be on Doc Rivers. I mean, you got a guy here who has ruined the most talented Clippers team, couldn't win anything with them. The guy's got every single record when it comes to losing uh, series, blowing game seven. Got to come down to Doc. Joel's out there playing on one knee, hard aging and still giving you MVP-type performances. It's all Doc. Yeah, listen, I, I don't want to get – if Embiid is out there, and I get it, he's not 100%. If Embiid's out there, I, I am not going to take the blame off of him because every year he has been out there and banged up. And every year they have come up short. This is the most remarkable stat, I think, when you're considering Doc Rivers and his legacy as a coach. He has lost seven series when he has been leading 3-2 or better, and uh, three of them he was leading 3-1. I mean, come on. That's as bad as Listen, you're up 3-2. You got a chance to close out in your building. Fourth quarter lead. You got to finish that game. And the fact that there wasn't more desperation on the part of the Sixers players to get that win is an indictment on the head coach. Let's get another one here. Caleb is in Miami up next on ESPN Radio. Caleb, what do you got? Hey, guys. Good morning. First-time caller, long-time listener. Um, yeah, plain and simple, it is going to have to be put on the shoulders of the MVP crowner. You know, honestly, he is playing with an injury, flu, fucking, you know, excuse my language. But, yeah, you got to you know, go. Sorry. Not- when you use the language, you can't uh, stick around. And I know it was probably an accident uh, at that but, point. But, but here's what I'll say. I get the passion. I understand yeah. it. I understand why Sixers fans are frustrated because they were promised that this year would be different. And it's not. We're talking about three straight years being bounced in the second round of the playoffs by Doc, for Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. At some point, something about that has to change. Yep. Now, we gave them a pass last year because they traded for James Harden midseason. You're just cobbling that thing together. I get it. But you had an entire regular season with, with the core of this team together. You've got to find a way to be able to elevate your play. And I get what James Harden said post game. Oh, J- Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, those guys have been together for some years now. 
I don't give a damn about that. No. The window for the Sixers is closing. Yeah. You don't know how long Joel Embiid can stay healthy and playing at this level. And let's you don't know how long James Harden has left in the NBA. Because he, he's slowing down a step from what we saw in Houston you over also, the last couple of years. You also, we don't know. You also don't know how long Joel Embiid is going to continue to try to do it in Philly. Because to me, you go another year like this, they go into next year, they don't get out of the second round next year, that's when Embiid starts looking around. I, I can see I would, that I would, happening. I would say it's more likely that the organization moves off of Doc Rivers and changes the GM before Joel Embiid decides he wants to get out of there. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Up next, we get a former front office exec's perspective on how he would handle the John Morant situation, which is possibly untenable at this point. Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny, on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. The best teams start with great talent. And when it comes to hiring, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team fast. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Mike Tannenbaum is ESPN's NFL front office insider. He joins us right now. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. And Mike, let, let's start here because love to get your perspective on the John Morant situation. Here we have a young superstar player in this league who has now made the exact same mistake twice, and it's just weeks after he apologized profusely and said he gets it uh, and uh, for holding a gun on an Instagram Live, and he literally does it a few weeks later. If you're the GM in that situation, and it is the superstar player that he is, how are you handling it? What are you thinking today? Yeah, great to be with you guys. Um, yeah, it's really sad and disappointing. And, you know, when there's a bump in the road that people always have in life, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and certainly seem like there was contrition and learned a lot on the last time. But 
for this to happen so quickly, as you said, Chris, it's, it's very alarming. It's deeply disappointing. And, you know, guys, we talked a lot about this when it came to Jalen Carter in the NFL draft, which was, you know, a couple of people died. And when you're talking about guns, nothing good comes out of it. Either something happened to John Moran himself or to somebody. So, you know, not only is this going to be like a, a very serious suspension, but this is where you want to get the league, the NBA Players Association, even his agent, and, and really work with him to say, hey, like, you have a chance to have a transcendent career. Like, what are you doing here? And work together so hopefully he can get the help that obviously he needs. Mike, obviously there's the human element to all of this, but there also is the team interest uh, when it comes to trying to build an organization that has sustained success and also if you're the general manager mitigate risk in the process so if you're evaluating the situation have we now reached a point where you would consider if you're the memphis grizzlies moving on from john morant oh boy i don't think so not yet but you know you'd also be irresponsible not to at least consider it or chris try to put in the right mechanism so if it happens again you have as much you know protection as reasonable as possible but um you know the one mathematical equation that is in every gm's office regardless of sport is production equals tolerance and that's just the reality of it like we're in the win business be mlb nhl nba and certainly the nfl so he is a great player and he's going to get the benefit of the doubt and we could certainly sit here and discuss for hours is that right or wrong as it relates to society but the bottom line is this he is a great player, and he will get a massive benefit of the doubt. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. One more on this, Mike, for me. Just as an executive, what would you have to see outside of the words? Because I would imagine today, if you're running the Grizzlies or you're an executive in the league, the words don't mean as much right now as they did maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah, like, look, we're doing a deep dive. Like, we're just going back to, like, you know, who, who you're surrounding yourself with, like, how are you making decisions and really understanding, Chris, like, like, how did we get here? Like, wh- why do you need to have a gun multiple times? Like, and really understand not like what happened, but the why, and then really make sure there's infrastructure and a process in place so that never happens again. And again, you know, it's not only because you want him to be a great player, but you want him to have a long and rewarding life. And, you know, my gosh, like the fact that he served the suspension, dealt with the commissioner, and then literally within weeks later, that, that is very alarming. So there is something, you know, again, really deep going on here, and that's what you want to work at. And again, uh, the length of the suspension to me is irrelevant. This is about like partnering and really understanding like what the root of the problem is. Talking with ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Greeny. Mike, let's switch over to some football. Uh, over the weekend, NJ Advanced Media came out with the report that Saquon Barkley rejected several contract offers over the last six months for the New York Giants. One in the middle of the season that was reported to pay him $12.5 million a year, and then one following the season that was in the $13 million a year range with incentives to take it up to $14 million. It's believed that the two sides are still apart by a couple of million dollars a year. If you're Giants general manager Joe Shane, how do you handle this ahead of the July 17th deadline for signing franchise tag players to a long-term deal? Yeah, Chris, I think that's about where they should be. And, and unfortunately, Sa- Saquon, here's the problem. Like The Giants know that you're going to be in great shape. You're going to be ready to go. You know the offense. You're a great player. And, you know, unlike all the months, you know, we had talked about Lamar Jackson, whether or not he show up as the new quarterback with a new offense coordinator, this is, you know, plug and play. So I, I think, 
you know, the days of those $15, $16 million a year contracts at running back are over. And, you know, Saquon's a great player just playing, you know, a different position. So I think time is on Joe Shane and the Giants' side. Mike, let's get to some coaches. Now that we've gone through the majority of the offseason, we know there's still some tweaks to be done here and there. But which coaches are you eyeing right now that are firmly on the hot seat or could find themselves on the hot seat early in the season? Well, yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, I always think that goes back to, you know, expectations versus, you know, where they are. You know, you look at Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles hired, uh, inherited, you know, Tom Brady. And I think they're actually going to play well um, this year. I think Baker Mayfield's going to rejuvenate his career. But that's a team that looks like, hey, they're going to have to win games, you know, early. Uh, certainly, you look at the Jets, you know, they've had this incredible offseason. There are going to be massive expectations for Robert Sala. So to me, it's always going to be expectations versus performance. So um, that, that's how these things to me like can change quickly. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But those are two teams to keep an eye on. Mike, last one for me. Looking at the New England Patriots, is this, I hate to frame it as a make or break season for Bill Belichick, but are we getting to the point now where Robert Kraft, if things don't improve exponentially based on what we've seen, we saw last year. Is it getting to the point where Robert Kraft has to consider a coaching change? Gosh, you know, Chris, I never thought we'd be even having this conversation. You know, if anyone's ever earned their way to end a career, it's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. But um, look, yeah, I think they're going to have to show progress. I don't think he's on the hot seat necessarily, but um, I think this is a team that's sort of at the crossroads and, you know, Mac Jones is going to have to play a lot better and, you know, if it goes well, Bill O'Brien becomes, you know, part of that, you know, is he a, a hot coaching candidate again? And if it doesn't, Chris, like, there will be difficult conversations in Foxborough. Mike, appreciate it as always. Great stuff. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. I will say this. Robert Kraft this offseason did not sound like he was trying to extend the the lifetime contract or as long as you want no. a coach deal with Bill Belichick. No. It didn't no. sound like that. It no, didn't that sound was... like it didn't sound like you can walk away whenever you want to, Bill. It sounded a lot like you better get this stuff fixed and yeah. quick. Then yeah. No, that that absolutely was not the case. Just a quick thought back on Morant for a second. Can you just think about like forget about the fact that he did this and all that. Let's think about the practical ramifications. Who's the next guy when Morant is in the club that's going to step up to him when you think you're a tough guy? And then the next thing you know, you have an incident. And, and God forbid something horrible happens. Like that, to me, is really the thing that we don't talk about in the preventative measure of what this is. As stupid as it is for him to have a gun again and publicly again, what does it do? It, it sends the message to all the wannabe tough guys out there to really step up to him. And that is just asking for it. But think about the message that it sends to kids that look up to John Moran. Yeah. Listen, the leading cause for death for children in this country is now gun violence. And here we are with John Moran yet again, the third or fourth time in the last, what, 12 to 18 months where we're talking about him having a firearm, waving it around, or having somebody in his camp that has a firearm when he's around. Waving it around. That's not licensed. That may or may not be licensed to carry it. At some point, you have to say enough is enough. And I'm just waiting for the Memphis Grizzlies and the NBA 
league office to do so. Now, here's what I'll say this. I'll say this, and I'll push back on Mike Tannenbaum. There's no way that we don't have those internal discussions about potentially trading John Morant if he doesn't make dramatic changes in the people that he surrounds himself with. That Devontae Pat guy? Yeah. We got to get him up out of here, dog. And listen, you lost $40 million already. And how much are you going to lose for missing half of a season? We would expect it to be at least half a season. Well, here's, here's the other part. If you want to throw your life and career away. That's on you. That's on you. But we're not going to let you drag our organization down in no. the process. And nope. that's the part that you have to be responsible for if you're a GM. I, I, we'll get further into it, but I, I think it's a legitimate conversation. I think that's a conversation that has to be had today. Should the Grizzlies really move on from John Morant at this point? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will hear from you on it. The most unlikely and, frankly, the most appalling of troll jobs happened late yesterday afternoon as well. Greeny, the podcast. Breaking news for the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended Ja Morant from all team activities after another Instagram Live video surfaced, apparently showing him with a handgun. At the end of the day, it's not just about Ja Morant. It's about you being a global superstar for this multi-billion dollar league where the faces of those leagues face a different level of scrutiny. Morant served an eight-game suspension in March after he displayed a handgun during an early morning Instagram Live session from a Denver-area strip club. So should the Grizzlies move on from Ja Morant? Kenty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Just a little while ago, Stephen A. Smith weighing in on Ja Morant. I remember speaking to Draymond Green on his podcast earlier this year. One of the things he raved about when he talked about Ja Morant, he said Ja Morant is one of the most intelligent players in the game and one of the most intelligent athletes you will ever find. So if we want to eradicate the word stupidity, then we have to go to something deeper. There's got to be a problem here. Now, whether it's with the company you keep or other things that you're doing that lead to you making these foolish, idiotic decisions, there is no question. There's a problem somewhere. There's a problem somewhere. And ultimately, it comes back to John Moran because he is not a child. He is a young man. Exactly. And he's responsible for his Actions, no matter what the actual problem is at this point. That was on NBA Countdown last night. Canty and Carlin in for a greenie. Let's get a couple of calls in, and then in just five minutes, we will tell you about the most appalling troll job of all time. Let's hit Sean up first on ESPN Radio. Sean, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to attempt to defend John Brandt and... You know, I, I know that Jaw is from South Carolina, and I grew up in Georgia. And you know, I grew up around guns, and I grew up kind of uh, living in Atlanta for a little while. And there's a bit of a gun subculture there. And you know, uh, it's just kind of a, a normal thing uh, in the Southeast for everybody to kind of have a gun, to be around guns. You know, people that like to go hunting and stuff like that. And I'm looking at John Morant, and as far as I'm aware, Tennessee is an open carry state, so I'm not seeing any laws that he's necessarily breaking. Um, I don't think he's acting in a, in a very intelligent manner in terms of his image. What he's breaking is what he's breaking is an NBA rule that goes out there and has been dealt with very severely 
before. They don't take that lightly. Whether or not it's breaking a law in a particular state, it's breaking an NBA rule. If that's what your boss says is the rule, that's the deal. And that's why if you break it, especially twice in two months, you're going to get hit pretty hard for that, and you should. Yeah, and just to respond to that, I I had a CHL once upon a time, a concealed handgun license. You know, I've lived in the South. My dad is actually from John Morant's hometown, South Carolina. I know a thing or two about the culture of those things and the culture around firearms in general in the South. There's no excuse for brandishing a firearm while your homeboy is driving down the highway and flashing it. There's no excuse for that. There's no reason for that. If you had the firearm transport, if it's in the glove box or if you have it in the the middle console or in the trunk and you're transporting it, fine. You're you're waving a gun while you're driving down the highway, which is ridiculous, and you're putting it on IG Live, the same IG Live that got you in trouble a few months ago when you had a gun in a Denver nightclub, which is not legal because it's a 51% establishment. And I'm not going to dive into the logistics of it or, or the details of it, but you shouldn't have it there. You can't have it there. So it's absolutely ridiculous to try to defend the behavior of John Moran. And furthermore, it's one incident in a series of mishaps when it comes to firearms with this one player. That is a problem. Big fella, we're talking about the third or fourth incident with John Morant and firearms over the last year and a half. At some point, something about that has to change. He expressed contrition for his misstep back in March when his team was on a road trip and they were playing the Denver Nuggets. And you're talking about being off the court for eight games and that decision potentially costing him $40 million with his contract extension. And now we're going to sit here and try to defend the behavior that got him in trouble in the first place and that cost him all of this money? Why are we defending John Morant? We, have our, we already have a problem with gun violence in this country. One of the biggest stars the sport has to offer is perpetuating that by flashing firearms for no good reason. He's not trying to defend himself. He's trying to show off on social media. I'm sorry, is a gun something that you should be using to show off on social media? What the hell are we talking about? This ain't about your Second Amendment, right? Ain't nobody saying you can't have a gun. Nobody's saying that. What we are saying is, hey, maybe not have the gun on social media flashing it around like an idiot in a nightclub. Hey, maybe not be waving a gun around while your homeboy is driving a car down the street. Those aren't good ideas. At some point, we have to move past the excuses and the defenses and call this what this is. This is dumb. This is irresponsible. And at this point, we have to hold him accountable. Stop trying to defend him. Paul, up next in Kentucky. Paul, you're on ESPN Radio. Thanks for having me. Did you guys see the article? I think it was in Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago about John Morant. Yeah, it's a Washington Post. Washington Post, yeah. yeah. This, this guy, and he's from. he went to Murray State. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'll tell you what, after I read that article, uh, the things that the Memphis police are hiding, uh, it is not good the path this guy's on. I love his talent. I love his exuberance. But like you guys said, we're in a gun culture right now where kids are being killed. This is not an image to help that, that, that epidemic in the country. He needs to be going against that, not in the direction of supporting it. 
It, it, no. Completely agree. Yeah, and completely. the other thing that doesn't help it, flashing gang signs on, on the basketball court or on your social media. That don't help it either. Nope. That, 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 that's not what – the NBA is a business. It's an entertainment product. They don't want their business to be associated with this type of behavior. And they are well within their rights, whether it's legal or not legal for John Morant to have a firearm in, in all of these instances – they can make the decision because they're a private entity yep. to say, we don't want to be about this. And if you're going to potentially compromise our bottom line by sending the wrong message about what we want our sport to be, then we are going to compromise yours through discipline, through fines, through suspensions. And if you keep down this road, potentially being outside of the league looking in. Mike in Michigan next on ESPN Radio. Mike, what's going on? Hey, guys. No, you – my man just summed it up right there. Wow, I everything I've been holding on to say is is with the with the energy you just brought, with the statements you just shared, that's real. Uh, everything is real about this. I'm a firearm owner. I'm a CPL owner. Um, it, I, I I do my best to, to raise my children and make sure that they know where the gun goes. The importance of safety is at a at a friend's house when I'm not around. Um, and and at the same time, my young son is doing the gritty. He's dancing around. He's doing John Morant stuff. And John Morant basketball card is what he's looking at. So you you look at it's all about me to raise my son. But when uh, I can't, he goes to his friend's house. He sees John waving the gun, and his buddy pulls it out. It, yeah. It's just there. Listen, it, there are so many different things that, that come out of this. No, but, but you know what, though, big fella? Thank you, Mike, for that call. Thank you for that, because that's the perspective of a parent, and he's raising his child to be responsible when it comes to how you handle firearms. And listen, I'm a gun owner, and there are a lot of responsible gun owners out there. That, what John Moran showed on those IG Live videos, is not how you're supposed to be responsible with a firearm. A firearm is life or death when other people are around, and it happens so quickly. How often do we hear about accidental gun deaths? All the time in this country. That is a problem for me, for him to be so laxed in how he is handling a weapon. It just, it, it's, it's egregious, it's disgusting, it's despicable, and at some point, Adam Silver has to drop the hammer on John Moran because the NBA cannot be seen being lenient on these types of behaviors. He just can't. All of these things are 100% true and at the forefront of the problem. And then the other thing to add to it is all of the people that are out there, the places that he hangs out, that see this and basically take the challenge themselves. Oh, you think you're tough? And get after them, and they bring their own weapon. Or, Canty, now more than ever, tempers flare in this society, and these things become... Before, How many times do we see pictures or videos of brawls at places now that seemingly come out of nothing, and the next thing you know, somebody pulls a gun on John Morant, or a gun goes off. I, God forbid, John Morant could end up dead if he's not It's going to smarten up here with any of this kind of behavior because you are challenging people to step to you when you do this. A couple of things you just said. First of all, I play for the New York Giants. It's not that long ago we were talking about Plaxico Burr shooting himself in the leg in a nightclub because he didn't handle a gun properly. So there's that aspect of it. But to your bigger point, there are people out here that have nothing to lose. There are people that don't have $200 million contracts, and they will do it all for the clout in terms of coming after John Morant. There are people that are about that life, big fella. They don't care 
They have nothing to live for. They have nothing to lose. And you have everything to lose. So why are you going to try to put yourself in those situations where somebody could take it away from you, where an incident could happen, where it could all be gone? Think about all of the people that depend on you. You moved your mama and daddy out there to Memphis with you to be around you. You got so many people that are leaning on you for you to take care of them, including your daughter. Why, why would you want to do this? Why do you want to... Why do you want to jeopardize that in order to show that you are quote unquote about that life on social media when everybody knows that you're not? It doesn't make sense. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Grady. One thing I do have to mention, just on a somewhat lighter <sighs> note from yesterday, hmm. Ben Simmons on his Instagram story. Petty Wop. Petty Wop. <laughs> a picture of his couch, a glass of wine on the table. And the big screen TV showing the score of the Sixers losing by 30 to the Celtics. Ben, you haven't done a damn thing. You won't get on the court. Was, was there a mental health issue there? I don't, when you tried to force your way out of the Sixers and now you're going to come back and troll them? Dude, you're not even playing right now. Lay low. I don't want to speculate with the Ben Simmons mental health aspect, of it, but I will say this. Big Perk one-upped him on social media. Ben Simmons watching the game. Big Perk said, hell, that's what he's been doing all year. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the new street clothes. He might be the new street clothes. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.